what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Linus got it right. And this morning, as we gather on this Lord's Day to celebrate the birth of Jesus, there's nothing better for us than to be reminded of and to read all of the Christmas story that Linus quoted a part of in that Christmas pageant, in that special long ago. On your outline today, you'll see Luke chapter 2, the first 20 verses. It'll be on the screen as well in just a moment. And I want you to read it aloud with me. I'll read the light-colored print. I hope you'll read the darker, bold, italics print as we read the Christmas story today and I, in a message I've entitled, The Christmas Story, What It Reveals About God and How We Should Respond to Him. And so let's read the Lord's Word together today. I'll begin in verse 1, then you join in verse 2, and we'll make our way right on through. Here's what the Word of God says. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, 
For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, the scripture says, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And may the Lord add his blessing to our reading and hearing, understanding and applying of his word today. This Christmas story, so familiar to us and so rich in meaning, tells us what Christmas is really all about. And it reveals to us so much about God. I want you to write in two or three things that I'm convinced this passage teaches us about the Lord. Do you have a pen in hand this morning? I hope you'll write these handful of truths in. Here's the first one, and it's the big one that is revealed in the first five verses of this familiar passage today. Here it is. Write it in on your outline, would you? This passage is teaching us that God is sovereign. God is sovereign and he uses the circumstances of our lives to accomplish his purposes. God is sovereign. It means he rules, he reigns, he's in control, and his purposes will be accomplished in our lives. And he, in fact, uses the circumstances of our lives Sometimes circumstances that are beyond our control in order to direct and guide our lives for our good and for his great glory. Did you notice how Luke begins this story? He really doesn't begin this story talking about, in, in the summary of it here, talking about Mary and Joseph. Instead, he goes all the way to Rome, the capital city of the empire. When Caesar Augustus, who ruled from 27 BC to 14 AD over the whole Roman empire, gave a decree, he issued an edict that all the world should be registered. And so in other words, these events that are recorded here were triggered 
by a, a political, a civil ruler far removed from that little town of Nazareth or from Bethlehem. And who knows what was in Caesar's mind when he ordered all the world to be registered. But I know this, whatever was in his mind, God had a sovereign plan that would be accomplished and the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and God was on the throne directing his will. Same is true today. God is sovereign. God is good. God is wise. And God uses the circumstances of our lives to accomplish his purposes. Think of these verses not only from Caesar's perspective, but from Mary and Joseph's perspective. Whenever the word eventually made its way to their little town that everyone needed to go to their own hometown to be registered, I think Joseph or Mary or perhaps both said, can this really be right? I, I mean, things are weird enough already. I mean, the angel has appeared and this child in me is born of the Holy Spirit and Joseph, you're willing to take me as your wife. And now we've got to travel. We've got to travel near the end of my pregnancy, 85 or 90 miles. Do you all know how far that is? It's like walking from here to where the Braves play baseball at Truist Park in Atlanta. And Mary was nearing the time of delivering this child. And yet, God was and God is sovereign. God is in control. God's purposes will be accomplished. And even out of circumstances that are hard and that we don't understand, God will bring good and God will accomplish his will. You know, one of the things, the longer I've walked with the Lord that I've learned is that when we look back over our lives, we can see, even as was the case with Mary and Joseph and the birth of Jesus, that what Psalm 37, 23 says is true. It says the steps the steps of a righteous man, the steps of a righteous woman are ordered by the Lord. It means God has a plan for you and me. And even as we make decisions and choices that are free, God's sovereign will is being accomplished. Sometimes the theologians call this compatibilism. It means that God's sovereignty and human responsibility are not in fact in conflict with one another, but they are compatible with one another and God uses both his sovereign will, human responsibility to accomplish his divine purposes. Now on a Christmas morning, it may be hard to wrap our minds around that, right? But God is sovereign, God is good, and God is wise. You know, I've seen this in my own life. As I look back many years ago 
to an afternoon on the Josephus Bowl on the campus of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the big green grassy area in the middle of the campus and I was playing flag football. I was playing defensive back. The quarterback on the other team threw a high long pass. I thought this interception is for me. I went up to catch the football and when I did, the intended receiver clipped my feet out from underneath me and I fell on my right shoulder. I subsequently learned that I had separated my right shoulder. I could not even pick up my coffee cup the next morning to bring it to my lips. And I thought, oh, my soul of mercy, what am I going to do? I went to the doctor, they said nothing to do but put it in a sling and let it get better. And I thought, well, what am I gonna do about speaking the next night to the foundation board at Southern Seminary? They were inviting a couple of students to come speak. And I thought, should I cancel or should I go? And I put on my coat and my tie and I put on my sling and I went and I shared a brief message anyway. And I thought, man, that's a little weird sharing with a sling around your arm, but I did it nonetheless. Little did I know that among those foundation board hearers that day was a man named Sam McMahon from Charlotte, North Carolina, and his church was without a pastor. When he got back home, I think probably because he saw this young guy with a sling around his neck sharing a message before the foundation board, he said, you all ought to invite that guy down here to preach a few times while we're without a pastor. And so they did. And on one of those trips to Charlotte, I met the most beautiful girl I had ever seen. And when I met her, God directed our paths Eventually, we became husband and wife, and now 35 years later, here we are. But that's not all. While I was preaching there at First Baptist Charlotte, Billy Graham's brother-in-law, Leighton Ford, was watching on the CBS affiliate, and I quoted him. I quoted Leighton Ford. Thanks be unto God, I gave him credit for the quote. And as he heard himself quoted on TV by this young guy he had never heard before, it sort of piqued his interest. And lo and behold, there was a man in Macon, Georgia named Ralph Newton who was on Leighton Ford's board. And when Ingleside got without a pastor, Ralph said to Leighton, do you know anybody we ought to consider? And Leighton said, well, there's this young guy who quoted me on TV you might want to consider him. And one day our phone rang in Louisville, Kentucky, and it was Ralph Newton saying, hey, would you come down and preach at Ingleside? And I just want to say, when I connect all those dots, they go all the way back to an interception and a separated shoulder on the Josephus Bowl I want to say God is sovereign, God is good, God is wise, and we can trust him. Because in his plan, he gave me my life's mate and my life's work. And I say all glory to our great God. Now, what I want to say, what I want to say is your path and mine will be different. Not all of them will be the same. 
But listen, beloved, on this Christmas day, don't miss the fact that Jesus' birth is the unfolding of God's sovereign plan. A promise made to Abraham, a promise made to David, a prophecy given by Isaiah, and then the birth of this child. And in a similar way, God has a sovereign, wise, and good plan for you and me. Now, I want to stop right there to say, but some of you are saying, but you don't know, Pastor. You don't know the pain. You don't know the suffering. You don't know the tragedy that has come to my life. No, I don't. But I know the story of Joseph. Joseph had brothers. He was proud, they were envious. They sold him into slavery. They told his daddy he was dead. And when he was taken down in slavery to Egypt, he was mistreated there. He was falsely accused. He was imprisoned for years. But God still had a plan. And over time, guess what God did? God brought about his purposes and elevated Joseph to a place of authority so that when famine came and Jacob and his sons came looking for grain in Egypt, guess who was there to provide and to save? And at the end of that story, what does Joseph say looking back? He said to the brothers who mistreated him, you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good to the saving of many lives. So now listen, even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of our hard times, God is sovereign. God is good. God is wise. I love the way the contemporary songwriter paraphrased Charles Spurgeon, she said, God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand and you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. God is sovereign, God is good, and God is wise. Can you say amen to that today? That's a big truth for us on this Christmas. Well, you say, Pastor, uh, man, you're 20 minutes in, you're only on point one. We got a Christmas meal to eat. We got toys to play with. So let me give the others to you quickly. Are you ready? Here's point number two, and that is God's timing is always right. God's timing is always right. Uh, the scripture says, and while they were there, the time came for Mary to give birth. When Paul wrote about this in Galatians 4, he said, when the time was fulfilled, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law that we might have adoption as sons. And when did that occur? 
when the time was fulfilled. When Jesus grew up and came onto the scene preaching, what did he say? He said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. God's timing is always right in my life and yours. Right, number three, write it in. This passage of the birth of Jesus teaches us that God's, God's ways, God's ways are not the same as ours. God's ways are not the same as ours. It's in verse seven, did you see it? It says, she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, a feed trough, because there was no place for them in the inn. You see, I dare say that if you and I were planning the birth of the savior of the world, we would make sure it occurred in the capital city with all of the pomp and all of the circumstance and all of the publicity that we could arrange. And yet God said, no, I'm going to send him to a little teenage girl, her betrothed husband, Joseph, who couldn't even find room in the common lodging place, but were out with the animals and the baby was laying in a feed trough. It just reminds me, when God's plan for my life and yours does not unfold exactly as we thought it would, God's ways are not the same as ours. I didn't put it on your outline, but look at Isaiah chapter 55, verses eight and nine. Do you see what it says? God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So do you see what this passage is teaching us? God is sovereign, God's timing is right, God's ways are not the same as ours. And then when you get to verses eight through 10, it teaches us that God's good news of great joy in Christ is for all the people. It means, it means that you and I ought to share this news indiscriminately. Here, there, everywhere with our neighbors close by and with people on the other side of the globe. It's the reason why we partner with church plants in Atlanta and Denver and Portland. It's the reason why we send teams of people to encourage missionaries and partner with them all around the world. And when you get to the book of Revelation that we're reading in a chapter a day, and by the way, if you're not in chapter a day, pull out your phone, text the word chapter to 22828. You'll be able to sign up and join in with hundreds of us as we're reading that. But in Revelation chapter seven, this is what the picture looks like at the end. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number, here it is, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This good news of Christmas is for all people, and that means it's for you and me. 
Well, what are the remaining truths this morning? Here they are. Number five, we see in verses 11 and 12 that God revealed through the angel that this Jesus who was born is Savior. He is Savior. I love the way Pastor Justin taught that to us and to the children this morning. He is Savior, Messiah, and Lord. You see, this child born in Bethlehem grew to be a man and he died on the cross for our sins and was buried and rose again and he lives today. And when he died for our sins, he was paying our sin debt that we might have his righteousness and be declared not guilty before God. He saves us from the penalty of sin and from the power of sin and one day from the presence of sin. Two more truths, church family. Here they are, number six. What God has done for us by sending Jesus should prompt our praise, which brings him glory. That's in verses 13 and 14, when all the angels show up and praise him and say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And then last of all today, the last verses, verses 15 through 20, teach us that like the shepherds, we should respond in these four ways. Write it in. First, we should respond with faith and trust. Do you see it? When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said, let's, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. They trusted the word of the Lord that had been given to them, and we should respond with faith. Secondly, they responded with action, and they went, verse 16 says, with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. You see, when we trust the Lord, then he calls us to obey him and take action that pleases him. The third way they responded was with verbal witness. Whenever they had seen him, verse 17 says, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. To everyone who would listen, they said, a Savior has been born and we have seen him in Bethlehem. And then last of all, the shepherds responded with worship with worship. The Bible says the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So what about you and yours on this Christmas day? I hope that you'll leave this morning with a sure sense that God is sovereign, God is good, God is wise. His plan was unfolding in Christ and his plan is unfolding in our lives. His timing is right. His ways are not ours. His good news is for all. Jesus is Savior. We ought to praise him and give God glory. And we ought to respond with faith, with action, with witness, and with worship. I love the way John puts this Christmas story. He says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, thanks so much for teaching us from this Christmas story again today. Thank you for teaching us about who you are, your character, your ways, the provision of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you for sending us the one that the prophet called Emmanuel, God with us. And so, oh Lord, I pray that as we leave this Lord's Day worship, this Christmas Day worship, that you would renew our commitment to live in faith and obedience for your glory every day. Receive our worship through our concluding song now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.